want to read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through chapter 2, verse 11. It says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, and he asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. And then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And after this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's the best story ever. (laughs) It's the best story ever. Here at Christ Community, over the last several weeks, we've been uh, looking at Jesus' story in a bigger picture. Um, We began at the end. We began at Jesus' resurrection several weeks ago, and we've been looking at Jesus' life in reverse all the way back to to his birth that we celebrate today here on Christmas. And uh, we've been challenging ourselves to think about, well, what does that mean for us? How would... How would we live a life in reverse, just as Jesus began with the end in mind? How could we do the same? And as I read this story, as we read this story of Jesus' birth together, uh, there was something that, that stuck out to me. I realized it was a really good thing that, that Jesus wasn't afraid to come to earth. It was a really good thing that he wasn't afraid to come to earth, because when we read this story about his birth, everybody else was really afraid. Joseph was afraid of what people were going to think. Mary was afraid because all of a sudden she was pregnant and she she wasn't sure exactly how until God told her. Herod was deeply disturbed, the text says, by the arrival of Jesus because his kingdom was was supposedly under siege, right? A a threat was to his throne. Uh, The shepherds in the field were scared when the angels showed up. And many of us here today, right, whether it's your first time or whether you've been here for a long time, 
Many of us here today uh, are here for, for a variety of reasons. It's our church family. Some of us are here today because we were invited by a friend or because we're celebrating with DJ or we're here with family. Others are here because it's Christmas and you want to be in church on Christmas. It's okay. That's you. Might be me a little bit. But you know what we all have in common? We're all like those other people in Jesus' story. We're all afraid of something. Right? We're all, we're all afraid of something. Some of us are afraid of what the people uh, around our table think about us. <laughs> we don't know them real well, and we're like, I wonder what they think of me. Some of us might be afraid of what sickness we might go home with today. <laughs> right? What did, it, what did the people around my table bring for Christmas? <laughs> I won't grab the cookie that they just took a bite of. <laughs> Some of us are afraid to be vulnerable about who we really are. Right? Some of us are uh, afraid for people to find out our real story. We don't really want them to know what's happened that got us to this place in life. Some of us are afraid of giving up our own power to serve others. Some of us are afraid that following Jesus might mean too many changes in our life. And that makes us uncomfortable. Some of us are afraid that we won't be able to give our, our kids the life that we've always wanted to. And that always rings true sometimes at Christmas, right? We, we want to give them certain things and we may not be able to. Some of us are afraid to meet new people. Some of us are afraid of commitment. Some of us are afraid of the bills that are coming in January. Some of us are afraid of what our kids are going to do or say today while they're sitting around tables. And maybe, kids, you're afraid of what your parents are going to do after you do or say those things. I don't know. But all of us are afraid of something. All of us are afraid of something. And so were the other people in this, this scene at Christmas, this, this scene around the cradle. Maybe the fear is hidden or deep. Maybe your fear today is right at the surface and you can't hold it in. But we're, we're all afraid of something. And I think if we can wrap our, our heads around that idea, if we can embrace the idea that we're all afraid of something, it allows us to, to appreciate the truth that we see in the Christmas story, this gospel-centeredness that we see when we think about the manger. It teaches us this, that God protected the person who had the most to fear, Jesus. You see, laying in the cradle is this helpless baby, unable to, to do anything for himself, dependent upon Mary and Joseph, powerless in this moment as a baby. He's made himself that way so that he could save us. And yet we see in this story God protecting him, the person who had the most to fear. Joseph and Mary, their lives have been flipped upside down by becoming first-time parents, right? If you're a first-time parent in 2016, you know the fears that come with that. Uh, the wise men, King Herod is after them, right? He's, he's after them. He's, he's trying to hunt them down after they found the baby Jesus. King Herod, he's afraid that he's going to lose his throne. And the poor, the poor shepherds, uh, they, who knows what their robes look like after angels come into the sky and just start singing loudly, right? Like they're scared to death. But in the middle of all this is that vulnerable person of Jesus. Crying, cooing, dependent on his parents for everything at this point who only moments ago was sitting in heaven at the right hand of God. And God protected him. Everything in this moment, everything in this story points to a good, good father. God the Father protecting his one and only son as he came into the world in his vulnerable position. 
You see, it was a position that was designed to give God glory as Jesus prepared to save the world. God protected the person who had the most to fear. But more than that, right, this is where, this is where we can celebrate in the good news of the gospel. More than that, God protects you. He protects you when you are the weakest. That's what he did for Jesus, and that's what he wants to do for you. But why would the gospel do this? Why would it be that way? Because when God shows up to protect the weakest, that's when he gets the most glory. That's when he gets the most glory. I love these passages in the book of Corinthians. First from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 30. It says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. And he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. And so when we think about these two things together, that we all are afraid of something, and yet God protects us most when we're at our weakest, we can either be afraid of our weaknesses, or we can be awake to our weaknesses. We can either be afraid of them or awake to them. And when we're awake to them, it gives Jesus the room and the space that he needs to protect us. And when he protects us, that's when we are strong. Paul goes on to write in 2 Corinthians about this phenomenon in chapter 12. He says, each time he said to you, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, when Joseph named the baby Jesus, even in that, there was intentionality. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. And Jesus would go on to announce that he had came to save those who are weak. Jesus saves the weak because he loves them. And, and he does that by conquering our fears with love. The baby Jesus, he faced real threats. King Herod was after him. The world was a, a terrible place. And in the face of that, Jesus still chose love, not fear. In your life, the things that you face when, when we are in the world are real. You face real threats. The question is, will you choose love instead of fear? The, the application, your goal, the, the thing that you can do today is the same thing as what Jesus did for us, to conquer fear with love. You see, our goal in life isn't to become fearless. Our goal isn't to become this all-powerful person who's afraid of nothing. Our goal is to conquer the fears that we have, our weaknesses, with the love of Christ. You know, this week, uh, Gary and Connie Burkett came back from Africa. They've been there for a couple of weeks. And um, actually, two Sundays ago, I was standing over by the door, and my, my phone started ringing in my pocket. I was talking to Mike Bramlage and Seth Howell, and I, I pulled my phone out of my back pocket, which is a little rude in the first place. 
And I looked at it, and the number said Uganda. And I, I wasn't thinking about the fact that Gary and Connie were in Africa. And so I, I kind of made this joke, right? I was like, I'm getting a call from Uganda. Like, it's a spammer or something, you know? And they're like, that's weird. I'm like, that is weird. So we went on, and we had church. And uh, Uganda left me a voicemail. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I, what is this? And so I listened to the voicemail, and it was Gary. And I wanted to share that voicemail with you today because uh, there's, a, there's a really neat moment in here that I want to point out that I think illustrates this idea of conquering fear with love really well. So uh, have a listen to Gary's voicemail from Uganda. Went down to the swamp in one of the villages and baptized about 30 some people in the swamp water. Had a couple of great uh, Sunday morning services here. Had some good ministry this week at the mission of the prison and the uh, hospital. And uh, had a great time. So far, nobody's been eating a wild animal. And uh, hoping that we all get to come home in about another week. Okay, just want to give you an update and uh, say thanks for praying for us and thinking about us. And we'll see you in another couple of weeks. So, so I'm not sure you could understand all of it, but it's okay if you didn't. Let me let me pull out the parts that I think were really cool, right? So he's telling us about their ministry in Africa. He says, yeah, we got to baptize 30 people in swamp water today. Man, that's awesome. That's really cool, right? And we're like all celebrating like the love of Christ is piercing hearts in, in Africa. It's so cool. And then I'm sure there was like some jest in this, but there's also some reality. I don't know if he caught this, but he says, so far, nobody's been eaten by wild animals. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that blew my mind. Because when was the last time that I did like love somebody in such a way that I thought I was going to get eaten by wild animals, right? I'm just worried about what people are thinking about me. And I realized that that, that fear... It was a real fear, right? Like whether you're joking about it or not, when you're walking through swamps in Africa, it's a real fear that some animal might jump out and eat you. But instead of saying, I'm not going to Africa because I'm afraid of what might eat me, Gary and Connie said, we're going to Africa because of our love for the people in Africa. They chose to conquer fear with love. If it weren't for the love of Christ, I can guarantee you they are not walking through the swamps of Africa. <laughs> it's not a good vacation. And it reminds me of this Christmas story, right? Because the same people who are, who are so much like us, Mary, Joseph, the wise men, the shepherds, people with real fears, each of them still face those fears, those real threats. And they chose to love because they recognized the love of God and sending Christ to us. And so they conquered their fears with love. Why did they do that? Because they knew Jesus. They knew who Jesus was, and they knew what Jesus was coming to do. And knowing that pushed them to this moment of great joy and of great worship. We read in chapter 2, the familiar verse, When they saw the star... They were filled with joy. All the things that they could have been afraid of, and they were filled with joy. 
They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't know what your fear is this morning. I don't know what your story is. I don't know where you're coming from on this Christmas morning. But the question is the same question that these people had to answer. Do you know Jesus? And do you know what he came to do? Do you know Jesus? And do you know what he came to do? Because Jesus knows you. He knows everything about you. And he came to save you from the power of sin and death. And if you have that relationship with him, you can live without fear. You can conquer your fears with love. But what does that life without fear look like? What does that look like? A life without fear is filled with loving actions. You know, here in just a few minutes, we're going we're, we're gonna to return to our Christmas celebrations. We're going to return to times with family. We're going to return to presents and food. It's going to be good. A lot of the things of the world, a lot of our fears, a lot of our stressors, they're going to fade away if only for a couple of hours. But imagine with me if the goodness of this day with, with no troubles, with no worries, could extend. What would that look like? What would a life without fear look like? A life without fear would be a life filled with loving actions. It would be recognizing your fears, your weaknesses, and choosing to conquer them with love. And you see, that's what Jesus' life in reverse was all about. Each of these snapshots, these moments in his life, presented options, opportunities for Jesus to be afraid. And in each moment, he chose to conquer that fear with love. He was baptized because he loved you enough to be the perfect sacrifice for your sins. He didn't give into the fear of, of giving up his power, right? He endured Satan's temptation in the wilderness because he wanted his love for you to be filled with empathy, he wanted you to know that he understood what you were going through. He, he didn't give in to being afraid of Satan. He died on the cross because he loved you so much that he thought of you before he thought of himself. He wasn't afraid of dying for you. He rose. He came back to life and he's still alive today because he loves you so much that he wants to spend an eternity with you. And he's not afraid to let everyone know it. He's not afraid of what people think of the fact that he's alive and he's come to save us. A life without fear is, is filled with loving actions. Jesus showed us what that life looks like. And he gives us an opportunity to live a life that looks like that as well. And it all starts here. The birth of Jesus that we, save, that we celebrate today. Emmanuel. God with us to save us. And that's what makes it a Merry Christmas. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we can only imagine the sacrifice that you made, the potential fears that you had to conquer just to send your son Jesus to us. Knowing what he would go through, knowing what he would experience, and still you chose to send him. Thank you. Thank you, God, for that. We can never understand that kind of sacrifice. 
We can only embrace the love that it shows to us. And so God, we just pray this morning that as we celebrate Christmas, you would remind us that we are loved, that you know us, that you came to save us. God, I pray that your spirit would uh, just bring a great sense of joy across this room to those who know your son, Jesus. But God, I also pray that, that for those who don't know your son, Jesus, that your spirit would speak truth. And in that truth, as scary as it may be to face it, God, I pray that those who don't know you would recognize that your love for us, your love in coming conquers those fears. May the love of Christ permeate this place. May it permeate our hearts. And may it permeate our city as we go outside to share the love of Jesus and how it's changed us with our family, our friends, our neighbors, and all those who might listen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.